Here we are again on a Sunday night, still in the book of Ephesians. <laughs> we have been here, it seems like, for a while, but you know, if we're here for eternity, I'm happy with that, because there's so much to be said about the, uh, the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> uh, I've been, I think we started in this back in September, <laughs> and here we are in chapter 2 and verse 4. <laughs> so uh, if you would, please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read verses 4 and verse 5 tonight, and then we'll make our lesson. <clears throat> the Bible reads, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. For when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together for Christ. By grace, ye are saved. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word. Ask, Lord, that You would open our understanding to it. Give us what we need to hear, Father, from heaven tonight as you meet with us here tonight. Lord, bless us, Father, for we need it. And Lord, just um, may your word do a work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. No, please stand up. Please stand up. I'll have you stand one more time. <coughs> we have another song we want to introduce to you guys. <laughs> so... Uh, <coughs> I can get my thing to work here. There we go. Oh, I want to know you. This is a wonderful song, beautiful song. Some of you, how many of you know this song? Oh, I want to know you more deep within my soul. I want to know you. Beautiful song. <clears throat> so I want to introduce it to you tonight. So I'll sing it through once. If you want to sing along with me the first time, that's perfectly fine. If not, we're going to, we're going to sing to it a total, a total of three times. Okay, that'll give us a chance to get to know it. Um, we've been trying to teach you some of these small courses that you can learn, and throughout the week they'll stay in your mind and, and hopefully, you know, um, draw you closer to the Lord, help you to know Him better. <clears throat> oh, I want to know you more Deep within my soul I want to know you Oh, I want to know you, to feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes, there's up within me. Cries that say, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you, and I would give my final breath to know you in your death and resurrection. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you now sing it with me. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes, stirs up within me. Cries that say, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you more. 
I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you, and I would give my final breath to know you in your death and resurrection. Oh, I want to know you more. 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 Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you, to feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes, stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you, and I would give my final breath to know you in your death and resurrection. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to know you Thank you. You may be seated. That's a beautiful song. It's been around a few years. And, you know, that should be our prayer, that we want to know him more. And, you know, that, that one verse that um, looking in your eyes, you wonder how you can do that? In the Word of God. You look into the eyes of God through his Word. And, and, and then uh, the, to, to know his mind. How do you know the mind of God? It's in the Word of God. That's where you find the mind of God. It's in his Word. And then that, that, that final verse, uh, my, that, that I would give my final breath. Would you do that? Would you give your final breath to know the Lord Jesus Christ better? Would you really do that? I mean, look what he did for you. He gave his final breath on this earth for every one of us. What a wonderful Savior we have. Amen. Oh, that we would know him more, to walk with him in a stronger way. And so hopefully tonight we'll learn a little bit about saved Salvation by grace through faith. Last week we finished up <clears throat> the first few verses of chapter 2 where we actually were able to see our condition outside of Christ. We saw what it was like before we got saved. And if you remember how it was like before you got saved, you were dead, dead in trespasses and sin. That word dead simply means you're separated from God Almighty. When you're not saved, if you don't have the Lord Jesus living in your, in your heart, you're dead to God. There, there's, there's a wall between you and him. And, and it's, it's just total separation from God until you accept him and what he's given us. And that, that the, everything he's given us is by his grace. We were walking in the world and with the devil. We were walking of this world and, and of the devil. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. When we, when we get saved, um, before, before we get saved, we're just children of disobedience. We learn to love the things of this world way more than we love the things of God. And that's what we do. We love the things of the world before we get saved. And, and how can such children of disobedience to the Word of God, how can God love us so much? And how can children of wrath, people who are under the wrath of God, who don't know Jesus as their Savior, ever become, like verse, uh, one, chapter 1, verse 4 tells us, that we are holy and without blame. 
The moment we accept Jesus Christ in our life, we become holy and without blame. Our sins are covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're gone. They're gone forever. Why would we not want to know Him more? Why would we not want to know the one who gives us eternal life? A life that is eternal in His presence in a place called heaven. That's far greater and far better than, than leaving this world and stepping into eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ and going to a place called hell. Hell is real and it's ugly and it was not created for mankind. God didn't make it for man. When He created the, the hell, He created it for the devil and his evil angels. That's what He made it for. God said clearly that He's not willing that any should perish but that all men, all men, all women, all men, children would go to heaven. He's not willing that any should perish. So, and, and how could we ever receive adoption as children in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1? And how could we ever be accepted in the beloved by God in chapter, chapter 1 and verse 6? Well, the answers are explained in chapter 2. But the first part of chapter 2 tells us what it was like before we were saved. And quite frankly, it's an ugly world out there. It really is. And I don't know how people in this world even try to make it from one day to the next without the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't hardly take a breath without thinking about Him anymore because He's such a, he's such a wonderful Savior. And so it's, it's all about salvation by grace. So we saw what we were like before we got saved. And you know what? There's a lot of good people in this world. There are who don't have Christ in their heart. But all of their goodness is as filthy rags to God. Because He gave His Son, His only begotten Son, who laid down His life on the cross. He laid it down. He didn't, they didn't take it from Him. He laid it down. And see, that's what grace is all about. Grace is it's that unmerited favor. So those are the things we talked about in, in, in our previous lesson last week or our, our message last week. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to believe when you live a life that is contrary to the Word of God and it's kind of like we learned this morning about the nation of Israel and, and how one day they're up, one day they're down, one day they're following God, one day they're not. And, you know, that doesn't mean just because you're saved you're not going to do things wrong. You are. Every single day of your life. You're going to have a bad thought. You're going to say a word that you shouldn't have said. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. It's going to happen. We live in a world that's filled with sin. And it's, you can't escape sin altogether, not 100%. That's why he gave us 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all, right, all unrighteousness. But the things that we want to talk about tonight are found in chapter 2 and verse 4 where we are quickened to God. And I, and I love how Paul wrote this out. He starts out in verse 1 of chapter 2 and says, And you hath He quickened who were dead or separated in your trespasses and sin. And then he tells us how it was. Until we got saved. And then we get, well, and then he tells us what it was like before we were saved. So he's talking about when we got saved there in chapter uh, 2 and verse 1. And then down in, in verse 4, after he gives us what it was like without God in our life. And he goes on, he says, but. I love that word, but. When you see the word but in there, that's a wonderful word. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. So this, by grace you are saved through faith. That's what he tells us. It's all about God's grace. It's nothing that we do. You can do absolutely nothing to get into heaven except go through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. The only way to get into heaven is through his son Jesus Christ. And so um, this, to begin with, the by grace through faith involves 
the great love of God. It's all about the love of God. And that goes back to, uh, to it goes all the way back to John 3, 16. And from, the, from, from God's love is where everything else flows from, from John 3, 16. And, and that's where it began. Uh, so so what, think about the mercy and the grace of God. When someone does us wrong as an individual, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to put up our dukes. We do. When somebody does us wrong or dirty, we want to fight back. That's our nature. That's that sinful nature that we have within us. We want to put up our dukes, and the first thing we want to do is fight back. Think about God, the creator of the ends of the, of, of the, ends of the universe, every part of it. God made it all. And just think for one minute, we offended him. We offended him. We hung, his, we hung his, his son on the cross. We made sure that, 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 he was, that he was put to death. But he did that willingly because he loved us so much. That's grace. Well, and, and with that mercy and that grace that God shows mankind, it's, it's founded upon the fact that God first loved us. Way before we loved God, he loved us. He knew about you before you were even born. Before the foundation of the world, God knew about each and every one of us. And he loved us even though he knew in his heart that we would be the ones to turn our backs on him. That we would be the ones to forsake him. And we would be the, the, the bad guys in the, whole, in the whole story of life in, in general. We're the bad people. We're the ones who turn our back on him every single day. But yet God in his mercy in John 3.16 says clearly, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There's no reason for anybody to perish but have everlasting life. That's all it takes, folks. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confessing our sins to our Heavenly Father when we do sin against him. And asking for forgiveness. It's kind of like when we do something wrong to a fellow believer or anybody in this world. As Christians, we have a responsibility to go to people and ask for their forgiveness. If I've offended you, I'm sorry that I offended you. But if, I'm going to tell you this right now. If the Word of God offends you, I'm not going to apologize for that. Because that's God offending. And when God offends, we need to learn from it. We need to accept it. We need to learn from it. And we need to move on. Because that's what, that's what happens a lot of times. Um, I need to keep up, keep up with this. So this salvation by grace through faith involves the great love of God there in Ephesians chapter 4. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Think about that. God's love is so rich. His mercy is everlasting. It never stops. It, goes from, it, it just goes on and on. And, and from this and all else flows God's, it, it, that's where God's grace, that's where salvation begins. With the love of God that he shows toward mankind. Even before we, before we were even born, he loved us enough that he gave his only begotten son. The love, this love is not because of who we are, but it's because of God and who God is. God does not love us because we're lovable. Believe you me, we're not a lovable group of people. None of us are. We don't deserve the love of God. When you compare yourself to the Word of God and you pick up God's Word and you compare yourself to that, you want to compare yourself to somebody to see how, what a good person you are? Look at Jesus. Look into the eyes of Jesus through the Word of God. Follow the life of Christ and see, what, see, see how He was. Can you stand up to Him at all? Absolutely not. You can't stand up to the Lord Jesus Christ. God does not love us because, of, uh, because we're lovable or because it's all because He is loving. And He loved us so much that He was willing to give His Son. And you know that, that plan of salvation, this grace that we're talking about? It started before the foundation of the world, before God created anything at all. 
God put this plan together. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They got together and they had this plan that they've all put together. And He gave us the Word of God so that we may know Him better. And He gave us the Word of God is so we can make Him known to others that we come in contact with. And that's important. As John wrote in, in an effort uh, to inspire his brethren to love one another, because that's what, that's what it's about. You know, Jesus told him that, you know, people will, love, will know you, that you're my followers for the love that you have for one another as well. And, and in any church that, that is a true church of the living God, there's got to be a love in that church that, 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 that overlooks anything. No matter who walks through the doors of our church, we've got to love those people when they come into this church and share with them that they may know him as we do. And we need to share that with everybody that we can possibly come in, in contact with. But... This love is not because of who we are. As, God, as John put it in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's one of the attributes of God. That's his personality. He's a God of love. He loved so much that he gave his only begotten son. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into this world that we might live through Him. What a wonderful blessing that that is. You know, we need to take the Word of God every day and we need to put it in our hearts. It goes all the way back to what the psalmist said in 119, Psalms 119, I think it's verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Because the Word of God keeps us from sin. It teaches us to love. It teaches us to love the way God loves. And that love that God has is unconditional. Do you love people unconditionally? I'm going to tell you something. When my kids were little, I loved them with all of my heart. But when they did something bad, I was angry. <laughs> if they went against one of Dad's rules, Dad got angry about it. It's not that I quit loving them. I didn't quit loving them. I loved my children unconditional. I did. Do you think about the, the many men who, who, and women who had went to wars to protect our nation? Not to make us what we are today, but to make us a better nation, even though we've not become the great nation that we should be, they gave themselves unconditionally because they loved our nation. So we can sit here today and freely worship God Almighty the way that we should, uh, should worship Him. But he says, he goes on in, in uh, verse 10 of 1 John chapter 4, he says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and send His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, Jesus took our place. He, he was the propitiation for our sins. Our sins were laid upon Him on the cross. Every sin that was ever committed from Adam up until the last amen in, in, in Revelation when God raptures the church out, even, even after the rapture, all the way to the end of time as we know it, into eternity. Jesus took every sin upon Himself. He became our propitiation. He stood in the gap for every one of us because he loved us so much. Um, so with that said, it involves the rich mercies of God. Um, that, I want to define for you what mercy is all about because that's important for us to understand about mercy. You've heard of people who, who uh, 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 sometimes uh, a person is convicted of a crime that they might not have done. That happened years ago. That was a big thing in the older days. If one person, if they could get one witness against you, they would that, a lot of people got hung uh, unjustly at one time in, in our nation because somebody said that person over there stole my cow or that person stole my, my horse or whatever. And they were unjustly accused even though they weren't the ones that did it. And because they took the word of one person, 
that person would be put to death back then. And a lot of innocent people died. And I believe in my heart there may be innocent people in the jails today who were falsely accused of something that they did not actually do. But what, mercy, what is mercy? Mercy would be that the governor of the state or the president of the United States writes a little letter and he, and he pardons that person. They're pardoned from, that, from whatever they said that they did, especially if they didn't actually do it. So uh, this word, elios, is defined by the Vines Expository Dictionary as the outward manifestation of pity. God in His mercy had pity on us. He had pity on us. Mercy then is compassion that one has for those in trouble. And you know what? Without God, we're in trouble. Without God, we are in deep, deep trouble. That's why we need Him so much in our lives. That's why it's up to us to make Him known to a world that doesn't know Him. We live in a world right now that has lost its way so bad. It is so dark out there. And if we're not doing something about it, if we're not being that light, and, and if we're hiding our, ourselves under a basket when we go out into public, people should see Jesus in our life. I don't care where we go. If you go to Walmart, people need to know that you're a Christian somehow, some way. Even if it's a smile and a good morning. There's a lady at Walmart... <laughs> Uh, up by the mall where we usually go, there's this, this little old lady. She sits out there all the time when you walk in. Hi, how are you today? Oh, she's loud, man. I don't know whether to, to tuck her down and run or, or say, hi, how are you today? But that lady, I'm telling you what, she puts a smile on your face when you walk into Walmart. She won't let you get by without that. You know, if we had that attitude, I don't know what her, I don't know what her spiritual condition is. One of these days I'm going to stop and say, are you a Christian? I'm going to ask her that. And she said, well, yeah. Do you go to church anywhere? Well, I know right now. Well, Abundant Life Baptist Church, Proctorville, Ohio. Come and see us. We'll put you at the door. And, you know, I remember Sister Connie the first time my wife and I came here. I mean, that, that's been a little over, it's been over a year ago now. But I remember walking in the door back there. I mean, we came in on the side over there. We thought we'd sneak in. You know, sit in the back and, and just kind of hide away and just, just see how things went here at Abundant Life Baptist Church. And Sister Connie, as soon as we walked in the door, she turned around, well, hello there, how are you? I thought, my, oh, my, what a wonderful church to be a part of. What a great group of people. And then when I walked in and sat down and I saw that wall, it stole my heart, folks. It stole my heart. A lot of you know that. So mercy, mercy is the compassion that God has for those that are in trouble. And he knows that without his son, there is no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood. Jesus had to shed his blood. That began back in the garden. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, what did they do? They knew they did wrong. They went and hid themselves from God. They tried to hide from God. You cannot hide from God. He is going to find you no matter where you go. You know why? Because God is omnipresent. He's all-knowing, he's, all, he's omniscient, he's all-powerful, he, he's omnipresent. I don't care where you go, you cannot get away from God. He's got his eye on you. He's got his eye on you no matter where you're at. Why? Because he's a merciful God. He is a merciful God and he has compassion on, on anyone who, who's, who's having a life without him. God's great love makes him rich in mercy. Nobody has more mercy than God has. I'm telling you, I, I'm, this is a man standing right here who deserves hell. I do. I deserve to go to hell. We all do. But because of God's rich mercy and his great love, and he loved us so much, I don't have to go to hell. And I chose not to go there. A long time. When I was seven years old, I chose not to go to hell. And God's kept me ever since. And he'll keep me till the day that I die. And when the day that I die, you know what? 
I'm going, through, I'm, going to, I'm going to step through the gate through, through, in the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to walk those streets of glory. And the first, thing, the first place I want to see, I don't want to see my mom and dad. I don't want to see um, other family members who went on before me. I want to see the face of Jesus. I can see him now through the word of God, but I want to see the one who hung on that cross in my stead. And I want to see the nail prints in his hands. And I want to see the nail prints in his feet and the scars on his head when they plated that, plant, that crown of thorns on his head. And then they hit him on the top of the head with that reed and the blood come gushing. You ever had a cut on the side of your head? Your head bleeds worse than anything I can think of. I've hit my head before. That's my wife many a time. I was getting on a U-Haul truck one time. We were getting some stuff. And I walked up, this, up, the, up the, the, the ramp on the U-Haul. And, and for dumb, some dumb reason, me, I guess I was too tall. I hit my head on that door and it ripped the skin off back. It just peeled the skin off my head. And it, and it hurt. But you know what? Think of what Jesus went through. And that thing bled, bled like a sieve. When you have a, a head wound, it can be a little scratch. It bleeds. I mean, it bleeds a lot. And think about what the, the blood that Jesus lost on his head, from the crown of thorns, in his hands, in his feet, the, the stripes that were on, on his back when they beat him with that cat of nine tails. You know why he did that? Because of the God's great love makes him rich in mercy towards who? Mankind. Every one of us. That love that God has is so rich in mercy. His great love for sinners enables God to be filled with compassion toward them. He has a great compassion. I think of the story when Jesus looked out upon Jerusalem and he saw all the people out there kind of wandering around. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he, and he cried. He had compassion on people. Do you have compassion? Do you have that godly compassion that when you go out somewhere and you look at people walking up and down the street? I, I, I used to do a lot of driving in one of my previous jobs. I was always on the road. And I would pass cars and I would wonder when they went by me, I wonder if that person knows the Lord. I wonder what they're going through. And I would sometimes just say a prayer in my, in my mind or in my heart to God and say, Lord, I don't know what that person, I don't know that person, but I pray, Almighty God, that you would, if they're, if they're saved and going through a difficult time, help them. If they're unsaved, Lord, send somebody their way with the gospel of Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. Because his compassion, his compassion is the same compassion that we need to have as a church and as individuals for a world that is out there and is lost and it's, it's headed in the wrong direction. We can turn this. We can turn our our, our our town upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the disciples did. They were known as the way back then, and and they were all complaining about the way, uh, and they meant the way of Jesus because Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And so we're part of that way. And, and, and they were complaining that they're just these these this people from the way who've turned our world upside down. Why did they do that? Because they understood the compassion of God towards them and that God was the one that gave them that, that, that wonderful uh, compassion. The riches of his mercy seek to, to reach out all to all who will accept him. And it, all, all, it's a matter of accepting Jesus Christ into your life. That's all that it is. These riches of his mercy, they reach out to anyone who's willing to accept it. First Timothy uh, chapter 1, uh, or sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God just wants the world to know the truth. That's all he wants. And all it takes is someone sharing the truth with them. And I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want the truth. I mean, we live in a day and age when our politicians, they wouldn't know truth if they hit them upside the head. 
they're nothing but a bunch of liars, plain and simple. They couldn't know the truth. If, if you handed it to them on a sheet of paper, they wouldn't know the truth. But you know what? We have it. It's God's Word. You will not find anything in God's Word from in the beginning to the last amen in Revelation that's not true. It's all true. God's Word is true. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. In other words, God, He, does not, he, he doesn't break a promise. When He gives a promise, He will keep it. He will keep His promises. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Aren't you glad for God's long-suffering? He's long-suffering to us, usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody can be saved. It's, it's, it's God's simple plan of salvation. We've complicated it sometimes, and a lot of people, they walk away from it. Uh, but, but God's grace and His mercy is so rich, and it's so full, and it provides everything that we will ever, ever need. Unfortunately, not all receive His great mercy. A lot of people don't receive it. They walk away from it. It's not hard. You know why they walk away from it? Because they think it's easier to live the lifestyle that they live. It's easier to, to, to sin against God. Because the devil makes it look so good and so, so easy. But it's, it's, it's not that easy of a life. And one day when they stand before their creator, they're going to find out that lifestyle that they chose was the wrong one. They didn't want to live according to truth. They wanted to live according to the course of this world rather than the course of the word of God. God's word is truth, folks. I'm telling you, it does not lie. God does not lie. He wants to see man sa all men saved. I just read it to you. I just read it to you right there. For this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God who will have no, he will have all men to be saved. Plain and simple. He wants everybody to be saved. And when they get saved, you know what? It's not hard to live the Christian life. If you learn to love the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a hard thing to do. It's a very simple life. It's just do what's right. When God says don't do it, don't do it. To him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, it's sin. If you know the right thing to, to do and you refuse to do the right thing, then it's sin against God. And it's sin against yourself. It's sin against, when we don't share Jesus with other people, when we have the opportunity, you know what we're doing? We're sinning against God. We're allowing that person to walk away without hearing the truth of God's word. And I've always been scared that one day we, I would stand there and a person's getting ready to be cast off into eternity to hell when they're standing there and, and at, at the great white throne judgment. And I'm, I'm always been, it's always been scared me, Joe, to think that I may be standing somewhere in the background and somebody that crossed my path at one time even though I was not saved under condemnation, but that always put a, a thought in my mind that their blood is required at my hand. That's what God told Ezekiel back in the book of Ezekiel. He said, when my people do something wrong and you don't tell them they're doing something wrong, then their blood will re I will require, require at your hand. But, he says, if you go to them and you tell them the truth, and even if they re reject that truth, then you're free of their blood. Plain and simple. That's why we have a responsibility once we accept Jesus Christ is to make him known to other people, to let other people know, hey, guess what? I got saved. I, got sa I remember when I got saved, I was, I was seven years old. But my mom told me one time after I got saved, I went out and stood up on a tree stump and started preaching to kids in the neighborhood. I couldn't believe I did that. I was a shy guy. But, but God can take that away. But those riches that God has and his mercy is so rich. We need to share that with as many people as we possibly can. That's the important part, folks, of, 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 of who we are in Christ. Number three, this salvation by grace through faith involves being quickened together with Christ. That's down in verse 5. He says, even when we were dead, even when we were dead, think about that. Before we even accepted him, when we were dead in sins, 
He quickened us together with Christ. Quickened us. He made us alive with Christ. He gave us life in, our, in, in, in us like, like nothing you'd ever, you'd ever imagine. And this life that he gives us, this bringing us life, it's eternal, folks. It's eternal. And no one can ever take it away from you. Once you accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, he died one time. He didn't have to die no more. That one, you know, if you could lose your salvation, Jesus would have to come back every day, every day. Every, he, was, he would still be on the cross. He could have never came down off that cross. But the sacrifice that he gave and his blood that he shed was so pure, so holy, so righteous, so merciful, so just that he only had to die once. He don't have to die all the time. So once you're saved, you're always saved. Unless you didn't get saved in the first place. Unless you didn't get saved in the first place. Plain and simple. But you know what? The devil's going to whisper in our ears. He always does. My wife and I went through that one time where, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure? You were seven years old. You sure you accepted Jesus? You go through that. Read the book of John, 10, 10 chapters a day for 30 days and come talk to me. <laughs> but, but that's what we were told to do, and we did that, and it helped. Here is where grace really enters in. This is where it happens. Paul writes, even, he, he, this is what Paul writes, even when we were dead in sins, even when we were dead, we were caught up in sin before we got saved. He still loved us enough to make us alive in Christ. He makes us alive. He quickens us. By grace ye are saved is what he said. Folks, it's all about grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's unmerited with something we don't earn. You cannot get into heaven on your own. You need Jesus Christ in your life. It's all about grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourself. And that, we'll get into that hopefully next week. But while, still while we were still dead in our sins, in our trespasses, God has somehow made us alive together with Christ. Alive together with Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The world don't have to go to hell. They, don't, they choose that path. People choose that path. Why? They don't want to give up their sins. Well, you know what? You can't give up your sins before you get saved. Plain and simple. You can't expect God, who is rich in His mercy, to wait on you until you say, well, I'm getting out of my sins. You can't get out of your sins without Him. Plain and simple. You can't do it. Some of us struggle every day. Even after we're saved, we still struggle with sin. It's going to happen. We're going to have struggles when it comes to sin. Though not fully explained in this passage that we're just going through, and when this happened, it, 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 it occurred because God's unmerited favor, the definition of grace, unmerited, unearned favor of God. That's what it's all about. Um, it's, it's a beautiful picture. That's what it is. Salvation by grace through faith, number three, involves being quickened together with Christ. How and when we were quickened, made alive together with Christ, as he explained elsewhere, especially in, in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 reads this. In whom also we are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. You notice what it says? Made without hands. Made without hands. You know what that means? That means it's, not, it's nothing we do. It's all of the, about the grace of God. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, Christ paid the debt, folks. He's the one who paid the debt. Buried with him in baptism. Now, I want to explain something about this baptism right here where it says buried again in baptism. This doesn't mean, and this is where a lot of, a lot of denominations out there, uh, they, they misinterpret the word of God. They're not rightly dividing the word of God. This baptism we're talking about right here, it's a spiritual baptism 
a spiritual baptism by the Holy Spirit into, into the, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Water baptism, folks, does not save you. Amen. It does not save you. That is an ordinance of the church, and that's something that, that, that somewhere down the line mankind came up with, that before you can join a church, you have to be baptized by immersion. And I'm all about that because Jesus is the one that set the example on that. He was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And he did that as an example that we also would follow him in believer's baptism. And what, the only thing baptism is, it's a public profession letting other people know that I've accepted Jesus into my life. I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why when we, we, we put them down, as if they're, and when they go down under the water, you know, they, they die to themselves. Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to die to self and, and accept Jesus Christ. And so we're buried in the water and then we're brought back up and we say into newness of life. That newness of life hits before you're dunked under that water, folks. That water is just an example that we follow. That water will never, ever wash away your sins. A lot of denominations out there teaches you that you're not saved until you get baptized. That's false teaching. That is the, what we're saved by, by grace, through faith. And we don't want to ever teach anything outside of that because that's what salvation is all about. We want to recommend to people when they get saved that they need to be baptized. But that baptism does not save you. It does not save you. But he goes on. He says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith, through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. That same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, when Jesus came out of that grave, that's the same, that's the same power that saves every one of us. It's all about the power of God. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, brought to life, made you alive in him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I don't care what you've done. God will forgive you. I don't care what you've done. God will forgive you and he can help you take that sin away and turn your back on it. Repentance is turning away from the sin that God saved us from and walking away from it. Are you still going to have that desire? Yes, you are. Why? You're a human being. You still have the sin nature. You still have that sin nature. The only way to overcome that sin nature is to stay on your knees before a holy God and stay in the Word of God. Look at His face. Look into His eyes. Looking in His eyes stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you more. You want to know Him more? Stay on your knees. Stay in the Word of God. Take Him with you wherever you go. Take him with you wherever you go. Um, so that, that's Colossians um, chapter 11, verse 2. Where we learn that it is a spiritual baptism, we can look at that in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, which reads, Know ye not that so many of us who were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Did you die with Christ? Absolutely not. It's a spiritual baptism. When, when you accept Jesus Christ, you become part of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto, into his death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. That's spiritual baptism. When you get saved, you walk in a new life. You have a total new experience in your life. Walk after the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow after him. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. When you get saved, you're being raised 
from the dead of sin and you have got a brand new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing in this world can ever take that away from you unless you just turn your back on God but you still don't lose your salvation. You know, when, when, what we talked about this morning about the nation of Israel, they sinned against, God would give them a judge, that judge would die, they would live for God for a while, and then the judge would die, they'd go back to their sins, they'd go back to the, to, to the idols that they worshipped, they'd go back to their evil ways, and then, and then they would, when, when, when God allowed his, you know, he poured his wrath out on them and let things happen to them, just like he does to us, we'll be chastened by God. If, you, if, you, if you're sa- truly saved, the chastening hand of God will be on your life if you're not living for him. He will chasten you. But you know what that is? That's God's love. He would chasten the nation of Israel and then cry out to God and God say, okay, I'll give you another judge. He gave him another judge and so on and so forth. But uh, that's the Christian life as well. It's up and down. We're going to have struggles in our life. But you know what? Keep your eyes where they belong. In the word of God and keep your, keep your eyes on heaven and on Christ and what he's done for us. Um, I'm going to stop here tonight. It's already 7 o'clock. But think about it for a minute. We are spiritually buried with Christ and then raised with Him. I mean, that's, that's, that's important to understand that even before you got saved, He loved you. And, you know, they call us a bunch of uh, hate people because we're Christians. And they say it's all, you know, we, when we talk about the truth, they call, us, they call that hate speech now. You're supposed to be careful what you say. Yeah, I'm, going to t- I'm going to say what the Word of God says, plain and simple. What it says is what I'm going to say, especially when I'm up here behind this pulpit, because i got to give an account to God one day. You all know that for a fact. Uh, anybody that stands behind this pulpit, Brother Joe, Brother Dale, uh, whomever it is comes up here and stands behind this pulpit, you've got to preach the truth of the Word of God. If you don't, you're going to stand before God for that. And if it hurts people, it hurts people, plain and simple. Don't apologize for the Word of God. Never want to be able, I never want to, want to be one to do that. Don't want to apologize for what God's Word says, because it's truth. It is truth no matter what. Um, if it's my final breath, so be it. Amen. So be it. Because I'm going to speak the truth no matter what. That's all there is to it. But God is good and He's rich in mercy. He's rich in His grace. And all He wants us to do is reach out and grab onto it and hold on to that. And you know, you don't have to grab onto it. Once God puts it in you, He holds you. Yeah. You know, I heard somebody say the other day, uh, we heard somebody, we were listening to something, and, and, and somebody said, how could I ever be afraid on this earth, walking on the, on the seas of life, when my, how do you put it, my lifeguard is Jesus. He guards my life. He's my lifeguard. He's the one who guards my life. And when I begin to sink like Peter did, as you spoke about this morning in Sunday school, immediately, immediately when I begin to sink and I cry out, God save me. He reaches down his hand and he pulls me up. And he lets me walk on the waters with him, folks. We walk on that water because he's our lifeguard. He's guarding our life. What a beautiful picture of mercy and grace. God's mercy and grace is, folks, there's no better gift. You're, I don't care. Somebody give you a billion dollars today and it's nothing because it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. But God's love will always be there. He loves us that much. He gave his son. He gave the, he gave the greatest gift that he owned, that he had, which was his son. He gave his son that we may have eternal life. So that's, that's what it involves, folks, that, 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 that salvation when he said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, given us life, unto us together by Christ, with Christ, by grace we are saved. It's all about grace, folks. It's all about grace. So let's pray. Father, we thank you.
Lord, for meeting with us tonight. It's good, Lord, to be in the house of God. Help us to always give respect, Father, to, uh, to the time that you give us to come together and gather around the Word of God and to sing praises to that holy name of Jesus. Father, forgive us, Lord, for not trying to know you better, for not being faithful to you, Lord. There, there are those who, uh, who could be more faithful to you, Father, and we ask, Lord, that you'd work in their hearts. Father, thank you for each one that made it out tonight, Lord. I ask that you just continue to speak to our hearts. And, Father, just um, help us to know Christ better, to love him more, to walk with him, and to share him with as many possible people that we can. First in Christ's name we pray. Amen.